Welcome everyone to Fire and Water, the podcast. I'm Tennyson Wolf, and I'm here with uh, my good friend and colleague, Quinina Robertson, uh, and a special guest that's coming in today. We think of this podcast as adding a little coming of age in this age. Uh, we're glad to have shows that uh, we get to have some conversations about such things. And in particular with this podcast, as we we uh, kind of reboot it or uh, continue it into 2023. We have a particular desire to bring in some of the people that we've done some uh, deep learning with or have deep respect for elders, guides, uh, to hopefully contribute to some of the wise ways of being in the world these days. Uh, so particularly glad that we get to huddle up today. And Gwenita, I'll hand it over to you to say your hello and maybe introduce our special guest. Okay, first I'm going to say hello and say my voice is a little different than it normally is because I've been sick um, and I'm coming out of it, um, but I'm really excited to be here with Tennyson and our special guest, Eileen Cooper-Reed, known to me as Mama Eileen, and uh, let me tell you just a little bit about Mama Eileen. Um, first, work-wise, some of the things that she's done in the world is she's been executive director for Children's Defense Fund in Cincinnati and in Columbus. Um, she has um, worked as a court magistrate for family court. Um, she also was a the um, head of the um, public school board here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, but what I really appreciate most about um, what she's brought into my life is I say that she carries this strength and grace is um, kind of how I've explained it and a little bit of audacity that I love <laughs> and have learned um, from. And, uh, you know, one of the stories I tell people that I love is that uh, there's meetings that will have happened in the city where neither of us were invited to. And, <laughs> and you've just said like, well, I'm going. They're not going to ask me to leave. Come on, you're coming with me. <laughs> so we <laughs> kind of like crash these meetings, which I think is wonderful. And and just this, um, for me, an example of what freedom is. Mm. You know, it's like the constraints that we, that we assume are there mm. that aren't necessarily there. So I've uh, learned from that. Welcome, Mama Eileen. What would you like to say? Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for inviting me, first of all. Mm -hmm. So I do have a little bit of a, a tickly throat, so excuse me for its raspiness. Um, but I'm always glad to be with both of you, actually. And mm -hmm. I haven't been with you in a while. So this is a great way to start off my year as I'm trying to be more intentional about how I'm entering into it. So mm -hmm. just thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. You're so welcome. You know, one of the things I know uh, is that the past couple of years have been full for you. Mm -hmm. um, and not always really easy ways, you know. And so I'm curious about what are some of the learning that or wisdom that you've gathered that you think is important to share here? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Wow, that's a that's it's a good one actually, um, because the last couple of years has been have been hard for most people. It just depends on in different ways 
for each of us, perhaps, but they've been difficult. And one of the things that occurs to me is that um, we have to, well, we don't have to, but to how to think about living in uncertainty, um, in groundlessness, in um, understanding that we don't really have any control over the things that go on around us. What we have is how we respond to them, you know, and in um, and so that's one thing is just how to, there is no such thing as certainty except what we construct in ourselves, in our minds. And that's okay because that's what gives us the way to proceed, if we will, or to be in the world, you know. So, but, but understanding that feeling uncertain is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not. It can feel life ending, but it's not life ending, you know, unless we just kind of kind of give up. You know, and so and so just thinking about the uncertainty, but I, I think the other thing that I've learned is is or I'm learning, because because mm. these things take time. So you don't learn them and then you know them. You learn them and you kind of try to live into them and see what that means. And that is that um my place in my family and community has, has changed significantly over the last couple of years, you know, from one, from losing my parents, even at this late date, to losing a child. And um, and where that puts me then in my family, where, where what's my, the roles, the role is shifting. And so how do I fit in in terms of the changing dynamics of my family and my community. You know, so in my family, it has been learning the matriarchy, the, the, the matriarchy of which I play a part. Yeah, um, I am not the only matriarch. You know, my sister is right there with me. But the matriarchy is a system of operation, I think. And so how we operate in our family as a result of what roles we play is important to at least to pay attention to and to try to figure out what what's mine to do what's only mine to do not what is everybody to do you know not do I have to be the whole matriarch it's mm-hmm. what's what's mine to do in, in this process and, and kind of the same thing is true of community so mm-hmm. you know so it's your turn you know I'm mine is shifted. I was working and I was doing this and this and that. And I did it for a long time too. I find that, you know, some of us don't give up easily. But um, <laughs> but passing the mantle is extremely important. At the same time as passing the mantle, learning how to do that well so that once again you you kind of understand begin to understand what your role is and then what your responsibility is to those coming by and how you how you do that. So I think those are probably two of the two of the major things that, that I'm lear- I, I'm continuing I'm continuing to learn. And it's not it's it's pretty um it's real contemplative, I should say. You know, because you really gotta sit still and think about it. And most of us don't, I think, think about those things. But for me, I'm not sure how you do it without 
without being contemplative, you know, in a, um, so that's, that's kind of what I'm learning. <laughs> I'll jump in with you, Eileen. I've got a <laughs> smile on my face here because of what you're sharing, of how you're sharing it, because we've had a few uh, points of connection over the years now. And uh, I'm, I'm so glad to be in a space with you to be reflective here or to be contemplative here. <clears throat> and we'll just follow it a little bit in a few different places. Um, I wonder, Eileen, if there's a, an, an example you could flesh out a little bit of what you used to be 10 years ago and what you are now, like how some of that learning has changed and um, uh, uh, and how that feeds into how you're passing the mantle on some of the things that are important. Okay, so I'll use the two the two tiers or two strands I was talking about before, which is because what you do in your family, you kind of tend to also carry out into community. So, so starting with with my family, I have hmm. been a caregiver, you know, hmm. for a long time in the family. And so I cared, for, not just me, but I'm talking about me now. So my sister and I have really been the ones who took care. My parents lived into their, well into their 90s. And their twin lived into her 90s. One of my mother's twin lived into her 90s. And they all used to live together in one house. And so we cared for them in that house. And, and in looking back, what I realized is that we've always cared for somebody in the family who became the center of all of our decision-making, or at least the beginning of all our decision-making. So with my parents lived a developmentally disabled aunt who lived well into her 80s, which was unheard of. And we used to, before we ever did anything as a family, we made sure that she was taken care of. Yeah. And then, then it became the next person who was the, that, that was that way. Before my parents, before we did anything, we made sure my parents were taken care of when they could no longer do it. You know, and, and so that's, so now, you know, I'm, I am at the point of needing some care, a different kind of care than I needed then. I don't need to be taken care of, particularly but I do need some care. And me understanding that and allowing it to happen mm -hmm. at the same time as people actively caring for me yeah. is, a, is a kind of a, um, I'll say a little bit of a dance, a little yeah. bit of a dance of, of trying to figure that out. So you want to be able to be independent and do what you can, yeah. you know, but you also know that you need help. You need assistance. You need more assistance than you needed before, you know? And so that's the, um, and that doesn't always have to be an aging process, right. but it happens, you know, but if you live, it's going to happen to you. <laughs> it's going to happen to you somewhere along the line. Right. Yeah. And so, and so that's how it is. And kind of the same thing is true in community. Mm -hmm. you know, so I was telling Quanita earlier, I, you know, I said, thank you for caring for me because I know that if something happens, there are certain people who would just be there, who will just show up. So that when my the 
best example I can give is when my son passed. He passed, he died in a car accident, and it ha- and they notified us at six in the morning. So I went over to pick up his, to be with his partner, and she was pregnant with one of his children. And then uh, my grandson was with her and brought them to my house. At noon, my driveway was filled with five cars. And it was just a group of women who came and who brought brought me everything imaginable. I mean, everything imaginable. I was not going to have to go shopping. I was not going to pay for goods. I was not going to eat water. I was not going to eat food. It lasted for months, mm-hmm. you know. And so, and so, I I credited part of that to the fact that. I was like one of them and would do the same thing, you know? And so, and so that kind of caring, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's really quite wonderful if you mm-hmm. let yourself do it, you know, if you let yourself receive it. So um, opening up to receive those things in community as well. And then the other part of that is making sure that I'm caring in another way for the young people in my community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and those who I may I may elder, you know, who who actually ask me to elder because that's the way it goes. You don't decide you're an elder. <laughs> the mm-hmm. young people decide you're an elder, you know, mm-hmm. and and they do that by coming to you and and asking you things, mm-hmm. you know, and um, asking you for conversation for guidance. Um, sometimes for advice, yeah, and um, and so you don't have to then do it anymore. You can you can be a support to them. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Did that kind of respond to you. Um, yeah, and took me in seventeen different directions that I'm excited <laughs> about now with you. Thank you. Uh, you know, one of the things that you talked about in the receiving and kind of the young people come to you. Mm-hmm. You know, I was recently had, um, well, a long time ago, heard a quote by Yana Vansant who said that we think relationships are a place to find love and they're not, they're a place to practice it. Mm-hmm. And the lo and behold, as you're practicing it, it gets reflected back to you. Mm-hmm. And what I would say, you know, one of the things I was so grateful for is you know, I call you Mama Eileen because you have mothered me. You're one of the, my community mamas. And when my mother died, you just showed up for me. Like there was one point where probably at least twice a week, I'd get a call from you and you'd say, you got coffee? <laughs> I'd say, yes. He's like, okay, I'm coming over. And you'd come over and we'd sit in the living room and talk and plot and plan and you like held the ground for me. Mm-hmm. And so one of the reasons that I would come is mm-hmm. because you taught me to come by doing it yourself. And I think that to me, that's what eldering is, is it is the like living it. Like we learn so much about your life through your life than we do what you tell us. Um, and I would just offer that into the center. Yeah, I do find that that's pretty true of most of the young people 
that I interact with that come, they come for the mothering. I mean, it is the mothering, you know, it's, it's, um, and I'm happy to be able to do that. I mean, it's, 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 it's joyful to be able to do it, you know, um, because sometimes people thank you so much. I said, I'm getting much as much out of this as you are. Be clear. You know, this is the way, this is the organic way of love. You know, it really is, you know, that, um, that is who I am in the world. I'm a mother, you know, and a grandmother and and, and to males or females, by the way, but mostly to females, but not only to females, Mm -hmm. females are, feel a bit freer to examine it and to ask for it. But there are there are males who do it as well, you know. I was I laughed because I was sitting with um, a young woman. We were having breakfast, and there was a young man that we both knew, and so we kind of told him to come over. I hadn't seen him in a while, and uh, and so he sat down, and he asked me a question, and I started talking as I love to do, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, and <laughs> We were talking and talking. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, I, I really talked too much. He said, no, 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 no. He said, I need my marching orders. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. He said, you tell us what to do. We go do it. I said, well, no, that's, that's the way it works. I'm happy to share my thoughts with you, you know, so. <laughs> but but it's but it's just, it really is a joy to be able to uh, to to meet those kind of intergenerational needs on both of our parts, on their part and on my part, mm-hmm. you know? So it, um, that's what, that's kind of what makes the world go round, isn't it? You know, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it, Eileen. Like it might be the mutuality that is part of the eldering. You show up, someone shows up with you and they have questions and yet there is something that you, in the sharing, in the giving marching marching orders you share, and it creates something healthy or loving or kind, uh, yeah. those kind of things. Yeah. So it makes me wonder if uh, for you, when you think back to these circumstances of whoever you've been meeting with and welcoming into your kitchen or, you know, inviting over to the table at the restaurant, uh, when you think of, and, I'm, and I am speaking to the elder in you, um, uh, that's lived some life and knows a thing or two and is being a thing or two or just being. Um, is there a pattern in the marching orders that you find yourself sharing? You know, is, is there sort of like common elements that, that, oh gosh, you know, if I, if, if you could remember one thing to whoever you're talking to, remember this. You know, there there may be, but I'm not sure that there is because it really kind of depends on mm. what the person what they're asking for sure. from me time. you know so so because it's not really me, mm. I'm just a conduit. I mean, an elder's really a conduit and mm. and because the wisdom comes through, you don't have a you know, I mean, I could yes, but it really struck me that we were a group of elders was having a conversation and mm-hmm. talked about really being a conduit for wisdom that we aren't mm-hmm. necessarily the wise the, 
because we restrict ourselves if we think we're the ones who know all this stuff. <laughs> you know, so, so it's kind of based on the question that is asked. And then if you let yourself do that, then the wisdom can come through you in a, in a way that you couldn't necessarily do on your own. You know, mm -hmm. so being open to what the universe has to offer and, and answering it as best you can or saying, I don't the hell know. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Okay. I don't know. You know, and so, um, so really, I think does kind of depend. But being mm -hmm. open, this has to be one of them. That listening and being open is right. Is right. Really, pretty much. Really, pretty much the only real pattern because the openness is what attracts. Is what attracts people. You mm -hmm. know, and so, I mean, being open to them is what attracts them. You know, mm -hmm. so feeling acceptance is what attracts them, you know, mm -hmm. and and uh, and that's just the way I show up in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's not it's not for me, it's not something special necessarily. It's just who I am. Yeah. You don't put on your elder suit or your elder <laughs> apron. You it, just are. It, <laughs> it, I just am. Yes. I mean, that's one of the things I am, you know, so. Beautiful. I love the description of being a conduit because what I find is there's times that wisdom comes through me that I don't know it until it comes through me. Like I don't, you know, or I don't know that I knew it until it like somebody asks something and I answer mm -hmm. and I'm like, Oh, you know, I have to sit with that for a minute because it's like, it has to land in me too, because it's coming through me. Yeah. Um, and there's times that I'll say it. And if we continue to move on, I'll forget like, because it's just, came through yeah, and I right. didn't grab a hold of What did of I say? What did you yes, say? Yes, it's like, <laughs> what was that? Somebody should have wrote that down, you know? So, but, <laughs> um, but because it, it, like you said, it's through me, it's not from me. Yes. Yeah. So actually the better the question or wisdom comes, yeah. that, so that it, you know, the better the question, the mm. more wisdom comes through, you know? So, <clears throat> so yeah, I think that that's, that's probably a pattern. You know, because because you can answer anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But but um, but if it's a really good question that requires requires wisdom, then it then it comes through. Then it comes through. Um, say mightily. You know, because I don't even know what, when it's happening until right. somebody says, "Oh, that's so wise." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have a question for you. Um, so I'm at a place right now where one of the, the book that I've been working on is called Birth by Many Mothers. And it's mm -hmm. about my community mamas. And part of what I'm writing about is these relationship with these women in my life, you being one of them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there's a there's an interesting dynamic of mother-daughter kind of. Yeah. Yes. And one of the things that, first of all, I've been so grateful for because I think you're one of the examples that I have that has done the letting go well. I think not all of my mother-daughter interactions have the mothers known how to let go and how to be present too at the same time, I think. Um, and so I'm just so grateful um, for that. But I also wonder, like, I've been thinking about what are pieces of the legacy that I carry from each of these women mm -hmm. and what is something that you see in you that you see in me 
that's a piece of the legacy you think that I carry that you have? Hmm. Probably. Probably um, a willingness to push the edge of the envelope. Um, you you see that in Quinita? Is that what you're yeah. saying, Eileen? Yeah. I see. That. I do that, and yeah. she does. Is yeah. what I'm saying. Because yeah, that's what you asked. Isn't is not one yes. of the things. Yes. That's what. So pushing the edge of the envelope uh, is one of those. But but not just for the sake of pushing, mm. you know, for, for the sake of um, inquiry, you know, of in, inquiry, you know, so, so, so you do, you are curious. That's where it comes, that's where the push of the edge of the envelope comes. What can we do here? What can we do here? You know, so I think that's what I see. And then I do have one more, and that is then a willingness to um, express yourself emotionally. Mm. It's interesting because, you know, the pushing the envelope, that piece, I kind of spoke it in the, one of the things I think you've brought is this audacity. Mm -hmm. And to me, it takes that in some, and I've not always had that in me. Um, or maybe I have. I don't know. Yeah, you you oh you've always had it. You might not have. You, mm -hmm. It might not have been developed yeah. until a point, but you've always you you've always had the audacity because in stories that you've told me, you know, when you were younger, it was there. Yeah. It was in it was in those stories. That's what I'm saying. You know, and so um, and you're willing to try new things you're willing to try hmm. whatever calls you you'll go there you know and and i will unquestionably do that as well hmm. you know uh, probably that more than even the other ones that i'm thinking about you know just the willingness to explore and to be courageous in that exploration hmm. and you know and taking the risks taking risks actually is you know, so having thought about it, that's probably the the most closest to the legacy. You will, we will both try new things, and we will try things that that call us to be fairly bold. You know, um, and uh, but still at the same time, at the same time, to try to be kind in the process. Mm. Thank you. Broad <laughs> question. Well, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was asking you, what did you think, Tennyson? You know both. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I'm following sort of the impressions. I, it's for me, it's kind of a treat to hear that because you two have a relationship on my screen. You're you're on both sides here. You two have a relationship that goes back over years and has many different layers to it. Mm -hmm. And Quinita, you and I know each other from a number of things now over the last. Oh gosh, we're coming on ten years here. And so it's kind of fun for me to 
hear you, Eileen, speak of some of these qualities mm-hmm. to, you know, with Quinita to Quinita and Quinita to watch you hear that and watch you receive it. So it's kind of like, oh, gosh, you know, I feel like I'm getting to be involved in that. But then I have another question for you, too, Eileen. Um, <laughs> around um, um, men. And, uh, you know, if the, the I'm trying to form the question here, but if the desire is a healthy masculine or a healthy world, period, mm-hmm. gosh, that's way too big. I wonder if there's something in particular that you from your space of life now find yourself saying to or about men? A lot, actually. Ah. And, 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 and because I have three sons. Yeah. I have a husband. I had a mm-hmm. father who, who, I was, who I was very close to. Mm-hmm. And from whom I learned a lot about men that said he was different than the men I know all of he was he would tell me at 91 he said look mm-hmm. you all you females need to take over this is the 91 year old man said you all need to take over because we've had this earth for 2000 years and we've really pretty much messed it up and and he said and so it, you women have compassion women have nurturing those are women's qualities the, of women's culture and that's what this world needs so for me it's always been that when i look at the world it's about a, the rebalancing that's taking place right now mm-hmm. you know and and um, the balancing is of reinfusing the feminine into the planet because the the one-sidedness has been what has been destructive. Now, if we get too far the other way, although by the time it gets there, we'll be gone. <laughs> but but if it gets too far the other way, a book called Two Thousand Seasons says it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You you get out of balance either way, and it's going to be destructive. What what happens? The way the world can progress, or the planet can progress, is through the balance and the mix of the of the masculine and the feminine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so with regard to the masculine, so I've been kind of functioning by focusing on the feminine actually because I understand it better. So. So, for instance, when women tell me, oh, boys are easier to raise, mm-hmm. you know, it's girls that are hard, I want to say, but you're a girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you mean they're too hard to raise? Mm-hmm. I, said, I said, I understand how they think. I understand how women feel. I understand how women think, you know, that I am one. So, so for me, it was much easier for me to raise my daughters. Mm-hmm. And it was easier for me to let them go as well. So at 17, my mm-hmm. girls were graduated from high school and gone. I mean, gone. They were gone. Gone to college and then gone. So, so most of their lives they have lived without me. Not in my home is what I'm saying. The guys are so different. <laughs> they have. And frankly, I feel like I've bubbled my way through. 
I really do. Uh -huh. um, I think we have good relationships, but I don't know, but I've been able to either uh -huh. let them be or let them go. I mean, I used to have a friend who used to have to remind me, their journey, Elaine, <laughs> their journey, not yours. You know, whereas the girls, I, you know, I kind of let them have their journey. But the guys, that didn't happen. I mean, it did happen, but I really had to be conscious about it. And yeah. I know that the need to be conscious meant that I wasn't doing something <laughs> in the background quite right, right? Right, right. So, so... No, I'm still trying to figure that one out too, Tennyson. You know, and you know, I got a, I got a uh, 40, 44 year old son. You know, so yeah. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Yeah, well, and I appreciate your reflecting. I am a man, and I'm a sixty year old version of this man, also yeah. myself. Yeah. And uh, I find that in the last probably fifteen years, in particular. Um, something related to this inquiry has become really important. And it really comes from a belly space for me of wanting to be, you know, wanting to live with love, wanting to live with kindness, wanting to live with awareness of harm or patterns um, and, and yet contribute as in your language, Eileen, you say to some of the rebalancing. Um, so I, I, you know, I have a few hunches in that, but I also just, uh, feel that it's a really important notion for the times that we live in mm -hmm. and as a man as a male and not restricting um, masculine and feminine to body uh, or gender mm -hmm. uh, there's something about how to contribute even even just to contribute in the tiniest of places some healthy masculine mm -hmm. and I appreciate hearing it from you mm -hmm. I wonder too, Mama Eileen, with um, the relationship you had with your father, mm -hmm. how much that balance in you helped you more with your girls. Oh, nice. Because it's your own feminine, having that masculine, because you carried some of him in you. I mean, yeah. you all were close, right? And that it was, you know, that that balance really supported your girls, maybe in a different way than it was able to with your boys. Well, that that may be, but also, you. I think, I think I had the two best parents in the world. Yeah. Even though my mother and I used to fight, like we fight, like we didn't fight, but we argued because I'm just <laughs> like I was just like her. That's what it boiled down. <laughs> but, but I, I, for some reason, I was conscious early, and mm. remained conscious of the qualities that my parents carried. Each of them and that they were different, and how I, I tried to learn from the ways that I liked about how they raised me. Mm -hmm. And they were different in terms of that. You know, so my mother, what I got from her, and I really took and loved, was her passion. Mm -hmm. Her passion for children, her passion for life, her passion for good, for that matter. What, what I got from my father was... My father was 6'4", and at one point weighed 250. He didn't always weigh that, but um, uh, was a big man who ran a prison system. Mm -hmm. And yet he was probably one of the most gentle men I knew. Mm -hmm. So to see someone be so gentle and also run a prison system where 
where it was clear that the guys who were incarcerated respected him as much as he respected them as human beings, you know, made a difference. So, so my father was the one who, my father still writes my speeches. I haven't spoken recently, but whenever I used to have to give a, a 20 minute speech, on the way to the speech, I would, or sometimes shortly before, I would call my dad and say, Dad, I'm going to give a speech. And he said, who are you giving it to? And I'd tell him who I was giving it to. And he would say, what's it about? And I'd tell him what it's about. And then he would give me three points. <laughs> One, two, yeah. tell this, tell that, tell him that, and then give him a charge. And that's what the speech And so, and so um, we once wrote a paper. He wrote the first half, and I wrote the second half. And you couldn't tell that it was a different writer. <laughs> yeah, and so, so that his the intellect and the piece, the, those were his, and the gentleness of the male. He was a gentle male, so yeah, that that helped. But my mother, her passion was where I got that. Was where I got that from. So really, being conscious of what I kind of paid attention to. I mean, I really paid attention even as a young person. I mean, a teenager. You know, um, um, and and younger about how my parents were. Plus, I had, if you remember briefly, I had two sets of parents. That's twins, what I ask your bonus yeah, parents. Twins, twins married twins in my family. So mm -hmm. my mother was a twin, my father was a twin. Their twins married each other. So I had four parents. So that's amazing. I mean, that was Whoa, amazing. Oh, that just turns the head. That was good. It does. It was amazing. And each of them had a different set of gifts, but they were all gifted. You're know, all gifted, like everyone is in their own way. You know, and so, and so, just being able to swim in that giftedness was just was just quite wonderful, really. And I know that goes above and beyond what you asked. But <laughs> that <laughs> give you that. I love all of this. Is there anything that you? Um, want to speak that you haven't yet that it never ends Ooh. i mean as long as you're alive you're you're you are learning if you open yourself to it and it is sometimes easy sometimes not you know and i used to think oh good I'll be 70 and then, you know, I'll be there and then everything be wonderful. No, but well, it is wonderful. I mean, I'm thankful to be alive and I'm, and um, I couldn't, I mean, I've got six children and 17 grandchildren. What's not to want, you know, except, yeah, except that I'm, they tired me out now. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Let's I mean, tell the truth. I love them, but they tire me out too. <laughs> The two-year-old who is just here <laughs> is a two-year-old, right? You know, so that's what he is. He can't, so mm. he's going to wear me out regardless. <laughs> so yeah. I said, "Oh, he's acting." I said, "No, he's acting like a two-year-old. He's busy. That's what he is. He's busy. That's it. You know." And then there's the the twenty-four-year-old, you know, trying to figure out his weight in life. You know, so each of them still brings you different and and joyful. And I tell them now particularly the ones who are teenagers, I said, 
okay, I'm not going to be running after you. You know, this, this is a two-way street, two-way relationship, right? And if you want to talk to me, you want something from me, I suggest you you make that contact. You know, mm-hmm. so you got some responsibility in this relationship if you choose to exercise it. If you don't, okay. When I feel like calling you, I will. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so um, no. Yeah, I, I, yeah, no, I can't think of it. But the, life maintains its interest. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. It continues to be interesting. Continues to challenge. It continues to be joyful. Um, and I'm just waiting to see what's next because I don't know. I'm in one of those. One of those, you know. I had to. I'm redoing the first part of the year yet. I haven't been intentional enough, so it's a redo from the first. I didn't want. I, I want to start my year off differently, so I'm gonna re. Yeah, that's about it. What about you? You got anything you you want? <laughs> I think I want to just say thank you, you know, for showing up as you do for the yes that you continue to say to life and to me, um, and to the world, and uh, just you know, I think I, we both um have a practice of just letting each other know that we appreciate and mm-hmm. love and care for each other and mm-hmm. um and i just want to you know speak that again here and just say thank you and back at you okay your I'll turn put, yeah i'll <laughs> put mine i'll take a turn i'll put mine in there also um really loving the uh you're sharing your story your your way of being here eileen as we show up on a screen together on as we're recording it, what day is it today? A Thursday in January. But you're something about you, um, your your ongoing living, um, which is probably fed by a bunch of things, your own curiosity, your own love, your own feistiness, your own wonder. Um, in, in the space of the last 45 minutes or so that we've had together, I find myself thinking of Uh, myself as a parent, my kids, my adult kids, and just being with them a little bit over the holiday break. um, I can feel the aliveness in me that is about just being a good human, trying to be a good human and, uh, and show up in those ways, show up for myself in those ways. And then also uh, I, I appreciate you taking on the, the question or the area and the domain of men and the masculine. Uh, it's something I feel committed to from a very deep belly place within me. So all of that is to say, oh, gosh, thanks for showing up today so that we could be in this together. Oh, thanks. Thanks much. Thanks much. I would, would like to um, say that a, a couple of things that my parents did gave us mm-hmm. uh, were, number one, that we were no better or no worse than any other human being. Don't ever forget to not ever forget that. That was number one. That they didn't say it this way, Shirley Chisholm said it, but that service is the rent we pay for living. So mm-hmm. service was something that was very important in my family. And um, what was the, the last thing? I usually say second. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't remember what it was right at this point, but they, but, but it was those things that that grounded us in 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 who we were, you know, and how we were to treat each other and those outside of our family. So, mm. so that's where all this comes from. Beautiful. Let's drop the mic on that. <laughs> uh, podcasty things, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say a shift into that voice. Thank you, Eileen, again. Uh, thanks to all who are listening here today. We appreciate your support. We appreciate your own journey of learning and connecting and being community, all of those things that go together. So, um, may we continue in the best ways that we can to live the mystery and live the clarity of it all. Um, more information for those of you that have been listening, Quinita and I have a shared website at qtwisdom.com. We've got our fire and water site. You can kind of find everything from the qtwisdom.com site, including links to our individual sites, you Quinita at Nizuzu, me at tennisonwolf.com. Uh, thanks for a beautiful little chunk of time together. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Mm -hmm.